And hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Jake Novak. And again, you can always catch my minute-by-minute, or at least hour-by-hour, updates on news and analysis and other things going on on my Twitter feed, at JakeJakeNY, the at symbol JakeJakeNY. And um, that is a good way to not only keep up to date on things that are going on, but also there are so many things on any particular edition of Novak Now where I will be referencing a book or an event or an article, and you will find it on my Twitter feed. If you want to read further, if you want to find out more, if you want to fact check me, if you want to challenge me, or if you just want to, again, learn more, that's where you'll find it. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn. But the Twitter feed is where you will find everything referenced to. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop, it's at JakeJakeNY. Um, I wanted to dig deeper into two topics uh, this week because they are things that really require uh, a, a, a instructions or like a user's manual. Um, and, I, and I say this without any condescension because I think that there are some people who are extremely successful uh, more than I am, extremely intelligent, also more intelligent than I am, who probably don't know how to approach some of the things that are being reported on in the news and how to really get to the truth of them. And I think actually a lot of the people who are doing the reporting on these stories don't know how to do that as well, which is why we have so many problems with the way they're depicted. So the, the two things that I really want to talk about today are this Continuing and developing story of the laptop that was uh, revealed to have been turned, <laughs> found uh, uh, that, that was owned by Hunter Biden, Pre- uh, Vice President Joe uh, Biden's son, former Vice President Joe Biden's son. And the contents of those emails uh, and the whole process and how we should approach the issues here. What's the big picture that we should be looking at and, and how can we cut through so many of the smoke screens that people on all sides of the political fence are throwing up about this particular story. And then again, and, I, and you've heard me talk about the second topic that, gonna, that I'm going to talk again uh, later about. All, you've heard me talk about it a lot here on, on, on Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. You've, talk, you've heard me talk many times about it, but that is the polls, the, the presidential election polls and how one must approach them. I talked about it last week. I've talked about it uh, in other times, but there is still more to talk about because these polls now get reported on. Not only do they get reported on on a daily basis, but people extrapolate from them. I mean, you can go on to some people who are actually, and we're not even talking about regular people who just start talking about a poll and, and trying to figure out who's going to win and it's just so they can win a bet with somebody or, or talk to, about it. I'm talking about major financial firms that are already making uh, financial moves based on these polls and doing all kinds of other things. And again, I, I don't think that the vast majority of people who are looking at the polls and reading them, and even a lot of the people who are conducting them, know what they should be looking at and know exactly what those polls are saying and know whether or not they should be listening to them at all. So I want to get into that uh, as well. But first, I want to talk about this Hunter Biden email story and a couple of the things that you should know on the background about it. Um, here are facts that no one is disputing, and it's important to remember that there are a lot of facts in the story that no one is disputing, despite the fact that there are so much, there's so much fighting about other aspects of it. But 
it, do not lose sight first. The first thing I can tell you in my, in, in my user's manual, in my instruction manual for how to deal with a Hunter Biden laptop email story is to let's look at what is not being disputed by anybody here. For those of you who took geometry in, in, in high school or took the geometry regents if you were a New York State high school student, you know how the, you, when you got your geometry problem, there was a list of things that were given. Things that were not in dispute, things you didn't have to prove, things that you were given as true. So we know for one thing that this was indeed a laptop owned, an Apple computer laptop owned by Hunter Biden. That he dropped off at a repair shop in Delaware. You know, the, the Biden family's official home is in the Delaware area, in Delaware, and that's where he dropped off the laptop. No one is disputing that. No one is saying this is phony. No one is saying this is a laptop that was supposedly Hunter Biden's. And most importantly, we have on record an attorney for Hunter Biden on Oct in in October this this month, just you know, just a few days ago, contacting the owner of that laptop uh, store, asking for the laptop to be returned, even though it was dropped off at this laptop shop about a year ago. So. We know it's really his laptop. So far, I think it's fair to say, although I will say this is 90% and maybe not 100%, but I think this is very close to being a given. We know that the emails found on the laptop are also legitimate. These are not phony emails, somebody pretending to be Hunter Biden or someone talking to him and planting them on, this, on, on, on the cloud or on, on his laptop. And we know that because nobody even in the Biden campaign has said the emails are fake. In fact, there was somebody yesterday who went on the television news programs, on the Sunday morning television news programs from the Biden campaign and said no one is denying the authenticity of these emails yet. Or she, I think she officially said no one, has, no one is saying that these emails are, are, in, are, 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 are fake. Okay. So – we know both of those things, and then that is very important because there is a very big campaign to say that the information that was found on these emails may be part of some kind of Russian interference in, in the election. There is no evidence of Russian interference in the election, but as you know, if you've been following the news for the last three, four years, just claiming that has been something that has fueled a lot of fires, especially for Democrats and opponents of President Trump. For a lot of years, even though it was never proven there was any collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign, there are a lot of people who still believe it happened without any evidence. It's really a wild conspiracy theory. doesn't matter how many years it's been around. It's still a wild conspiracy theory. But it has the ability to really taint a lot of people's minds when you say the words Russia and disinformation and stuff like that. But you can say that all – anyone can say that all they want. But again, remember, no one is denying that this is indeed Hunter Biden's laptop. No one is denying that this, these are indeed the emails in there. Now, I want to get to the two most important things in this story that everyone should be focusing on. And I'll talk about a third thing, which I think is the third most important thing. But I want to say the two most important things first, not only because it's in, in order of importance, but because – these are questions that have to be answered, and it's very important not to get distracted from getting the answers to these questions, or at least persistently asking these questions from now until Election Day. The first question is, and the first thing we should be focusing on, 
are the 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 facts that many of these emails pretend to be true in these emails there are many different depictions and descriptions of meetings that hunter biden arranged with his father who was the vice president at the time with foreign politicians and foreign corporate leaders in exchange for money to hunter biden in other words did hunter biden take money in order to arrange for meetings with his father, who was then the vice president of the United States? That is the first question. A subset of that first question is, did Joe Biden know when he was vice president that these meetings he was having were set up by his son for money? Now, if the answer to the first question with that subset question, if the answers are are yes, then that is very, very serious because Joe Biden a few times on the campaign trail and a few times in the last year or so, whether he was at a campaign event or not, has denied even knowing about his son's business deals and has denied having any meetings that were set up by his son for any reason. So that would be a lie. It would be, to me, extremely serious, but in this very, very polarized, partisan atmosphere right now, I don't think that this would be enough to completely disqualify Joe Biden as a candidate. Now, for me personally, yeah, it would. For a lot of other people, probably it would. But for most voters, and you can say this is either a sad fact or a good fact or whatever you want to say, I don't think it would actually nix him as a candidate if it just turned out that he lied about meeting with some dignitaries, his son made some money on it, it stinks, it's unfair, it's corrupt, But you would have to be very naive to think that in this very partisan atmosphere that that would sway these – even a significant percentage of people who really don't like President Trump and change their minds to either vote for Trump or maybe not vote for Biden, maybe vote for a third-party candidate or maybe maybe just leave the box in the presidential election blank, something like that. If you really think that that – would would change the minds of people who really hate Trump and people who are voting for Biden. I, I think, sadly, you're being a little naive. I don't think that you're wrong on a moral level. If Joe Biden again took meetings with foreign dignitaries and foreign corp, you know corporation leaders to help enrich his son or to do a favor for his son, and 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 who knows what to do for the people he was meeting with. Yes, I, I think that that is a very serious thing. That, that would be enough for me to not vote for Joe Biden, but I'm keeping my eyes wide open here and realizing that for, for millions and millions of Joe Biden voters, or really to be honest, because I don't really think Joe Biden has any real supporters. I think almost, I think 99.9% of the people who are voting for Joe Biden are just voting against President Trump. I don't think there's really a lot of support for Joe Biden. But that, comes, that plays into his advantage there, right? Because since they're not really believing in Joe Biden as a person, since they're not really emotionally attached to him personally, and their only emotional attachment is to hate President Trump, any scandal that he commits, within reason, is not going to change their minds or get them to maybe not vote. But this is serious if the emails on that laptop are depicting something that really happened. Again, no one is saying that the emails are fake. So the question that you have to ask is, okay, they're not fake emails, but are the events that were discussed in them true? Because a lot of us emailed 
to each other things that may not have actually turned out to have happened. And of course, he, you know, Joe, Hunter Biden could have been sort of blustering about his influence and saying, oh, I got these meetings taken care of. Maybe he really didn't. So again, it doesn't mean the emails were forged. For, you know, there's a difference between forgery and bluster and forgery and maybe something that didn't actually happen. That was described from a semi-honest point of view or from a bragging point of view. But let me talk about the second most important thing that we really have to look at here with this situation. Because the scandal could be worse than that. The scandal could be that Joe Biden personally took some percentage of the payments that Hunter Biden apparently was given to set up these meetings. In other words, Hunter Biden gets, let's say, a million dollars to set up a meeting with his father, who was then vice president with the foreign dignitary or a foreign corporate leader. And he shares some of that money with his father. Now, apparently, again, we don't know for sure, some of the emails <coughs> and text messages. Remember, this is an Apple laptop, so Apple laptops do include the text messages from your iPhone. You can get that if you have an Apple you know, MacBook Air type device. So there is some information reportedly, again, we must find out if this is true, reportedly on the laptop that shows that Joe Biden personally profited from this, not just by helping his son get some money and helping his son fulfill a promise, but he also took some of the money, according to some of the reports. Now, this is different than my first question scenario. If Joe Biden, and this is something we need to, again, this is a huge, important question we should be focusing on very, 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 very sharply and without much distraction. So let me say this very clearly. If Joe Biden took even one penny of money, either directly from a foreign dignitary or through his son, Hunter, in return to meet with those people while he was vice president of the, vice president of the United States, then that is indeed fully disqualifying in every rational, reasonable, somewhat fair person's eyes for him as a presidential candidate. Do I think he would actually drop out if it were proven and we know these emails or text messages are true? Probably not because we're so close to election day. I, I don't really know. But if it turns out that there is credible evidence that he accepted money and took money in return, and, and really, there's no other word to say it, but a bribe to meet with somebody as a vice president and got that money through his son so that it, was, it didn't seem like it was a direct payment, but that's, pretty direct, that's a pretty direct route, then I don't see how even in this most partisan and nasty and hating President Trump atmosphere for Democrats, I don't see how any of them can justify that, at least not publicly. In fact, if there was any chance to get Biden replaced before Election Day uh, uh, somehow, I, I would look into it if I were a Democrat, although with all the early voting and the mail-in voting, I, I, think it's, I think the chances of replacing him are impossible, but that shouldn't stop the fact from, from this simple fact. Again, and we must focus on this very, very closely. If Joe Biden took any money whatsoever, no matter what amount, but any money whatsoever through his son in return for meeting with people and, and, and maybe discussing deals with people while he was vice president, then he cannot be president of the United States. It's as simple as that. And as crazy as the conspiracy theory ideas were about President Trump somehow making a deal with the Russians 
to help, so that they would help him get elected and then he would give them some kind of a quid pro quo. Had any of that been true, I would say the same about Donald Trump. I never believed it for a minute because I never saw any credible evidence of it. Now, right now, I am hearing reports of, and you hear Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, saying there's some kind of text message, and he created a graphic of a text message suggesting that there was this kind of payment directly to Joe Biden through Hunter. I don't know if that's real yet, but if it is real, there's really no debate here. There can't be. There can't be. Joe Biden can't be allowed to be president of the United States under any circumstances if there is true evidence and indisputable evidence that he took money to meet with foreign dignitaries and corporate leaders when he was vice president. So those are the two things we really, really must focus on. Now, there's been other stories that are worth discussing, but I don't think they should completely cloud out. We've got to be careful not to lose the focus on question number one, which is, did Joe Biden know his son was profiting by selling access to him? And the more important more, oh, I shouldn't say more important, but also very crucial question number two, which is, did Joe Biden get any of that money? Of course, the third issue has been that over the last several days, the social media companies, Twitter and Facebook, have been blocking the sharing of this story. Again, it was the New York Post that broke the story that the laptop had been found and the laptop had been turned over to the FBI and that the emails had certain allegations involved uh, connected to them. And that is a great discussion and a debate that we should continue to have. And I, I believe that the suppression of the story, the attempted suppression of the story by Twitter and Facebook has made it worse for the Bidens and for anyone trying to cover it up because it just makes it more of a forbidden fruit type of thing. And I think we should discuss the power of the social media companies and how frightening it is to live in a country where these companies have so much power over what information gets out there. But that to me is a something that is an almost an evergreen debate that we should absolutely have but it can't take away the debate from the first two questions which again we I'll repeat them again because this is the instructor this is my instruction manual we must know whether there is real evidence of Hunter Biden profiting by selling the access to his father who was vice president at the time and we also must find out whether Joe Biden personally profited from that access as well in in literal cash payments even if it's a penny it is disqualifying in every single way. The suppression of the story, attempted suppression of the story by social media companies and the power that Twitter and Facebook have and, and the ethics of that, we should also debate, but that can be, again, something that we debate long after this election is over and long after this issue is resolved. There's a fourth thing I want to mention also, and I'll bring in a little bit of... Jewish tradition and custom here. You know, we talk about things like Lashon Hara. I think when we talk about politics and policies and the actions of politicians and whether there's evidence of them, I don't believe it falls into the category of idle gossip and slander and libel because we're talking about whether the, the work activities and the records of politicians who are basically our employees. So I, I don't think it's, it, again, it depends on the nature of these kinds of things. But, for example, talking about whether there was some kind of pay-to-play access to the vice president of the United States is not – I don't think any rabbi of any decent reputation or, or, or scholarship would consider that Lashon Hara, as we say. Or, you know, it's kind of a fancier rubric for those of you who don't know that term. It's, it's, a, it's basically the term we use for gossip, uh, speaking ill of somebody, even if it's true. Uh, we try to avoid doing that, but I don't think that politicians have that kind of – we don't give that classification for, to politicians or to our elected leaders. We have to talk about the job that they're doing or not doing.
But there is some aspect of that in some of the stories and things you're hearing about what's involved and what the evidence that is on this laptop. I want to warn everybody very, very carefully. There are even worse allegations that are being reported and rumored about what is on Hunter Biden's laptop. Things that are even worse than bribery, things that are even worse than pay-to-play, these kinds of things. I want to warn everybody about sharing stories like that, either just by talking to a friend or by posting them on the internet. I would warn you against doing that for a number of reasons. One, simple ethics. We don't have as much evidence of some of these more outlandish things. I'm not going to repeat them because I don't want to be guilty of doing the same thing. But there are some really out, very, very, very disturbing accusations about stuff that's on that laptop that we should not be sharing with one another or describing with one another because they don't have as much evidence backing them as the other things I've talked about earlier in this program. So don't do that. But the other reason not to do that is, for example, if the most outlandish thing that you shared and talked about that was supposedly on the Hunter Biden laptop turns out to be untrue, then it will ruin the credibility of things that may be true. In other words, if you say somebody, hey, I got evidence this person killed 10 people and it turns out he didn't kill anybody, he just slapped someone across the face. Well, slapping someone across the face is still pretty serious, right? Especially if it's unwarranted. But if it turns out that you're a liar or we know that you were going crazy over something that was much more far-fetched, the chances of the person being punished for the real thing that they really did wrong really get diminished and it will become lost in the shuffle. So be very careful about sharing and talking about some of the really, really disturbing rumors you may have heard about what's on Hunter Biden's laptop. You need to focus mostly on this pay-to-play access issue, which was something that was out there in the, in the discussion zone for well before the story of the laptop got out there. So it's not something that isn't completely unsubstantiated. It's not that wild. And these, again, no one is saying these emails are forged. No one is saying this laptop didn't belong to Hunter Biden. So it's completely okay to talk about that stuff. But there are, again, rumors and things that you might have heard on the internet about something even worse than that. I wouldn't share that just out of ethical reasons and also out of strategic reasons. If you really think that Hunter and Joe Biden are guilty of the other as- aspects of corruption that are on the, uh, on the laptop and in the emails, then don't ruin your credibility uh, by, by, fo- by, by also spreading even wilder rumors about what's on that laptop. So that's my warning. Now, I want to spend the last few minutes here of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network talking about polls again because – I've given you in, in previous editions of Novak now some guidance on why the polls are unreliable. I've talked about how folks hang up on the pollsters, and that becomes very difficult to, to, de- to find people who really are representative of a larger voting group. I've talked about how there is a true issue here with statewide polls. Listen, we, we play this, the presidential election game, if you want to call it a game, is a state-by-state election. The term national election is kind of a misnomer because there isn't a national election. Yes, the whole country is voting, but it isn't a national tally. It's a state-by-state tally. That's how the Constitution and the founders always wanted it, and I believe they were very wise to, to go that way. And I say that knowing that there have been many elections where my candidate has had a distinct disadvantage because the Electoral College didn't work in his favor. 
I believe the Electoral College works a little bit more in President Trump's favor this time, but there are times when it doesn't. Going into the 2016 election, there were a lot of people who felt that the Electoral College, the way it worked, really worked in Hillary Clinton's favor. So you have to remember that. It's important to remember that. But anyway, the polls are very unreliable, most of the ones that you're seeing, but I wanted to give you a user's guide for what you should be looking for. First of all, on Twitter, if you are on Twitter, I highly recommend the following Twitter feeds. First, a Twitter feed called Cotto Gottfried. The Twitter handle is at Cotto Gottfried, C-O-T-T-O-G-O-T-T-F-R-I-E-D, at Cotto Gottfried. This is run uh, by a gentleman who really understands polls, who really knows how to look at what's real and what isn't. He is mostly much more optimistic about President Trump's chances than almost anybody else. Based on his expertise, I trust him a lot more than almost anybody else. But he's also very realistic. For example, he's very concerned about early voting efforts by the Republican Party in North Carolina. He thinks that they've done, they've been really lazy about their early voting efforts. But he's very positive about states like Michigan and Minnesota and Florida for President Trump. He today, if you're listening on Monday, he's actually going to be watching a crucial early voting polling station. In-person early voting begins in Florida on Monday, which is today for me, October 19th. And he's going to be watching uh, the activity at one of those key polling places. So at Cotto Gottfried, he's a very, very good resource. Another good resource is, is at Larry Schweikert, L-A-R-R-Y. S-C-H-W-E-I-K-A-R-T, at Larry Schweikert. He's another Twitter guy who, expert on elections, he's been following things that are very important. Now, both Cotto Gottfried and Larry Schweikert have an important addition to make to my instruction manual, my user's guide for looking at the polls, which is the very important fact that for the first time, I guess in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm almost 50 years old, the Republicans have improved, have increased their registration rolls, getting people to register as Republicans, have, have done that at a higher rate and at a higher number than Democrats over a four-year period. That's never happened in my lifetime. Democrats have always been better in my lifetime at registering new voters. Now, not all of them come out to vote when it comes to, vote, to election day. But Republicans, for the first time, have done that. And I think the reason for that are the Trump rallies. You know, these Trump rallies, you can, if you ever go to them, there are voter registration booths and tables that you can go to, and they make a good effort of registering people at these packed rallies. And Trump has had rallies. Remember, he hasn't just been doing rallies in this election year. He's been doing them on and off over his entire first term. So th- I think that's the biggest reason that they've had this increase. But they make the point that registering new voters is a really good sign for the Republicans. And it's very, very important. If you're a newly registered voter, if you've just been registered, the chances that the pollsters will call you and know of your existence are very low. So that is another reason why you can't trust these polls. Another thing, reason why you can't trust them, and you may have heard me mention this on previous editions of Novak Now, I've always wanted the polls to give me some data about how many people are hanging up to them on them versus how many are completing the poll. You've heard me talk about this. I'm dying to know what's the ratio of hang-ups to completed poll surveys. And I finally did get some data just the other day. It turns out that in most of these polls, when the pollsters call people who are listed as Republicans or conservatives on their lists, the ratio of hang-ups to completed surveys is five to one. That is outrageous. Outrageous. 
That is an outrageously high ratio. And if I were a responsible pollster, I would not publish any poll with there, where there was a hang-up ratio of five to one on half of the electorate. I just wouldn't do it. it just, it's not responsible. It's frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating if you're a pollster to have to deal with that and know that you just can't get a reliable number from half the people that you're calling. But it's just not reliable. So I want everyone to remember that when it comes to looking at polls. I'm Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Malcolm Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.